Hi everyone, uh, my name is Melanie Thorley and I'm the Director of MJT Law. This is Chris Seed D. Santana and uh, this, welcome to the Lawcast. First one of 2022, um, been a bit of a delay this year. Um, you can probably see we're all working from home again. Uh, it's I think every first of the year has always been at home. I think we had a lockdown last year and then obviously the year before everyone was everywhere. So it's it's a bit of a theme there, I think. It's getting a bit of a thing. We've been we've been working since the seventh, in fact, from home, and there's no end in sight at the moment. No, indefinitely. Um, I feel very sorry for uh, the small cafes, etc. That must be in the city because they would be just ghost towns because no one's there. No one is there. Paul, my husband, is working in the city at the moment, and yeah, it's it's quiet. Absolutely, it's properly quiet. But we haven't got on the other side of Australia Day yet, so it's just let's just wait and see. Yeah. Can you hear that tiny little monster barking? I, I absolutely can. What's what's he, what's he barking at? <laughs> is Seymour. it a piece of leaf or is it? A... Yeah, he's just barking at the fence again. Come on, Seymour, what are you doing? He's just looking at me now as if I'm an idiot, which of course I am because he doesn't understand a word I'm saying. Uh, when Seymour finally comes back, I will introduce him to everybody. But we have, as you guys know, we've got a number of animals in the office. And today I'm working from home. eBay's out on her walk, walk with Mad Dogs. I'm going to give a shout out to Mad Dogs and Englishmen. They are bloody brilliant. Um, they've been walking eBay now for months and months. And they've done it without a hiccup, without any issues. And total shout out to them. No, they're doing a fantastic job, I reckon. Now, now you've got a real... Uh, equal cat versus dog kind of ratio for your for your battles, you know, two yeah. dogs, two cats, roughly I, about the same size. I better get this little monster. Just a moment, peoples. Go See for it. There, there she is. <laughs> hey, everyone. This is Seymour. Seymour is a still a puppy and is barking at shadows at the moment. So we're working on that. Working on, on, on the barking problem. Working on the barking at shadows. He is not a big barker. Um, dude, 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 there's nothing there. Look at him, he's so naughty. Oh my God, you're so naughty. And you're hijacking our podcast. Off you go. Uh, no more barking. He, he must just have a lot to say about employment law. He's really vocal and passionate about the, the recent changes. about today was employment myths. Well, there's plenty of them, isn't there? And we hear them all the time and we yeah. often shake our heads and think, who, 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 who is saying this? Where is this yeah. coming from? And I kind of feel it's like those weird myths about police, like the policemen can't arrest you if they're not wearing their hat and things yeah. like, like the ones they, that were going around. They must get that all the very time. You know, the, some old timey English law that they think still applies. I mean, we've heard plenty of, uh, you know, the, the constitution doesn't apply to me because because I'm a sovereign citizen. Um, but yeah, I mean, employment myths are are everywhere. It's almost everything as well. They, they are. The first one I've got on the list is you can't terminate someone while on sick leave. Yeah, just just not true. I mean, we we know that you can't terminate someone because they are sick. That's right. You know, provided it's it's not um, 
a lengthy or it's not temporary. Yeah. We, we're not um, into this concept of frustration of contract. So we're talking about just someone being on sick leave, um, you know, usual stock standard. <laughs> I've got a cop. Yeah. yeah, but the uh, the myth really comes from the, this this thought, and and I for the life of me can't understand where it's come from. But this thought that basically it's it's almost a stop moment, like it, it's it's almost a shield that can't be penetrated. Yeah, and, and it's almost for an indefinite amount of time. You know, this this they could just be sick for forever. And you know, what happens to their employment? Yeah, so. Um, so that is definitely a myth, people. There are ways to terminate someone who is on sick leave. It does depend on what hap what's happening and what they do. Um, I'm, I'm going to use a really interesting example. This person is on sick leave, but they have decided they're going to download the entire database to their personal computer at the same time. Why can't you fire them for that? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, let's use some some kind of serious uh, allegations. And what what if they what if they steal from you? Yeah. What if they, now, are, are you expected to, to just let that go on? Yeah. What if, what if you realise while they're on sick leave that they're on video stealing? Why can't you fire them for thieving from you? I just, there, there, there just seems to be this, uh, this concept. But yeah, so there, there are lots of scenarios I can think of that I mean, you can terminate yeah, someone while I they're would on sick leave. Caveat it by saying you can certainly fire them while they're on sick leave, but I think there is room within the legislation and the case law which suggests that you need to take potentially a lighter touch and and give a yeah a I'm, little bit more I'm of a not, yeah i'm not suggesting that you go full out you know knee-jerk reactions mm. all around but but there are circumstances where employers should be able to go through a proper process to terminate someone whether or not they're on sick leave and uh, yeah, so that's a myth I think should be busted. It, but it, there are circumstances where you shouldn't be firing them, of course, but you you can absolutely fire people while they're on sick leave. But I'm gonna, I'm going to extend this to another kind of myth, and this one comes up all the time, which is very similar, which is when one employee is being you know, disciplined for a particular thing and potentially terminated, and then the million different other allegations about other employees come in, it's almost. Um, some of which may apply to them, some of which may not. Um, and it's almost like they do it as a way of exonerating themselves because, it, you know, you need to deal with all these other issues before you even come to me. And it's just not true. I mean, it's not to say that these other allegations might not be true. And they may very well be. And they may also get investigated and lead to terminations. But it doesn't, you know, just because other people are doing something wrong. deal with the core issue of why that person is being disciplined. Yeah, I, I agree. There's this concept where uh, if I if I throw stones while I live in a glass house, I'm going to be OK. And certainly and something that I discussed this week um, was I really have a problem when you have an employee, especially one who might be middle management or, or management of some description, who is essentially banking allegations as, as almost as a shield ready as a shield you can't attack me because i've got all these other things i want you to think about which they you know might be quite old you know when i say old they might be six months old mm. and they are maybe serious and they may have all the proof in the world but the, i take a really big issue when they haven't brought it up to date mm. you know and from an employer standpoint if you don't know that something is going on, you can't do anything to address it. And 
I think it's a really big delegation. Uh, so moving yeah. away from someone's yeah kind of duties as an employee mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. there is issues and to just almost to, to you know in spite of the employer to keep them to yourselves yeah such that you can never be touched because you can just start flinging mud at others yeah um rather than dealing with the issue because now that you know the company could be liable for whatever's going on and they had no idea about it i mean i have a really big issue with that and certainly i think people have this idea that if i just have enough allegations if i make enough dirt on the employer i'm untouchable which it's just not true it's just no. it's just simply not true Okay, well, the next one I've got is you can't take sick leave while on annual leave. You can't take sick leave while on annual leave. Can you just explore it a bit more? What do you mean? I'm, I take, I'm on a trip in Bali. Mm -hmm. I'm having a really great time whoop, 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 and I jump on a motor scooter. I have mm. a bad accident like apparently a crazy number of Australians do. Yep. And um, yep. I'm in hospital. I've got a broken leg, I've got some lacerations, I've got a few stitches. Um, I want to take sick leave. And, and, uh, and the uh, the myth being that you um, you're on you're on annual leave already. Take your leave. That's what you've got. Yeah, yeah, you can see that doesn't really stack up to what what is written in the legislation. It's simply where you're not fit for work. That's right. Uh, and they're That's not. Right. They're not. <laughs> They're not. That's right, because uh, there is this concept where you can withdraw your approval um, in reasonable circumstances from annual leave. You can get that person back from Bali if you, mm. if, you know, under if the right. If it's reasonable in the right circumstances. So if they're not fit for work, people, they can take sick leave. Yeah, it's. I actually don't like it though. Um, I know, I know it sounds. Maybe it's the employer and me, but I just think you're on holiday. Just you're on holiday. Like I recently, people, they, I had an accident, and uh, I had an accident on the first day back of work. <laughs> and uh, but I could have easily had that accident while I was, you know, over Christmas time. And uh, I'm going to be out of action for a little while longer. Um, yeah, I don't see if you're already, if, you know. From an employer's perspective, I can see why employers want to go, but hang on, I'm already paying you to be off work. Why are you now taking sick leave? Uh, but no, you can take sick leave. It's, there's nothing well, wrong with it. It's not unlawful. The, the obvious benefit to the employees is that they are going away from an entitlement um, that you know they may not get paid for at the end of the, their right. term, right. uh, at the end of their employment. But one of the things that I've always said, and this is not so much as an as a as a lawyer, as it is just a you know general worker, mm. is the idea that you know you use your sick leave at all costs. I find uh -huh. yeah. I find to be short-sighted. And what I mean is there is plenty of times you know you only get ten. Most of us only get ten days a year, and there's going to be times when you're sick, especially now with COVID. But even beforehand. It doesn't take much, it's two weeks a year. Um, you know, for example, I need my hands to work. <laughs> it's pretty, it's common for you to break an arm and an arm is eight weeks. Um, and, you know, you really need that. The amount of time you get, I think, is very close to the amount of time you actually need. 
Um, yeah, you should, you so should you shouldn't waste it in this. No, I, people take sick leave. People take sickies and being mm. the day and this and that. I think yes, that is definitely taking the piss. But yes, um, yep, nothing wrong with taking sick leave. Um, swapping out that sick leave um, for annual leave to sick leave and uh, banking that annual leave back in there. Okay, the next one I've got is restraints of trade never work. Ah, uh, the classic. They're not worth, they're not the, worth paper the paper they're paper. written on. Written on. Well, it's somewhat true, somewhat not, isn't it? It it, it really depends. Um, I think well dra drafted, restraint of trade under the right circumstances will be successful. Yeah, yeah, and for the right employee. You yeah, know, the it's problem is, if people use restraints of trade as if it's a stock standard clause that they can put into everybody's contract, and that's the problem with them. You can't yeah. use them like that. They the scattergun approach. Just... That's right. They are about specific circumstances. And for those out there who know me, one of the first questions I ask when I when people ask me if I can draft from a restraint of trade is what do they want to protect? And what is the job description with which they, they think is going to be exposing them? So I can draft a clause that makes sense for the specific circumstance with which they're trying to protect, not some kind of catch-all term that's going to make no sense at all for everybody so mm. yeah restraints of trade work guys you just got to get it right yeah you just for the right employee i mean and for a lot of people i think i think it captures more people than than what it's given credit for yeah um especially in the professional services yeah you don't need to capture my PA. She doesn't need to be restrained from working for a PA in another law firm. It's mm. not about that. Um, yeah, look, <laughs> I think... Um, well, a lot of it's it's reflective of uh, our society and our business society. And what I mean by is for most small businesses, small and medium businesses, it means your employees are going to be exposed to confidential information and very confidential and your know-how and uh, so the, the way you practice, et cetera. Whereas uh, in a larger organization, you may not have so much exposure, but because most people work for small and medium enterprise, captures an awful lot of people. And you're right, it's not, it's not gonna, it's not gonna cover um, the receptionist, but your salespeople definitely, um, you know, definitely your operations people, you know, things like that, um, absolutely. And, and I agree. If you get the right restraint, it's going to work. And there are lots of ways to make the restraint, even if it's poorly drafted, work as well. So it's not just about they never, ever work because they're badly drafted, although lots of them are. Um, there are workarounds as well. They're yeah. expensive, but there are workarounds. But what do you say to the the classic line of, well, it's just not, it's not fair. Now, why I've I left the organisation, why am I in? almost indebted to them especially for a lot of people when they leave on not so great terms which is often when the restraint becomes an issue it's, it's one to another um they really feel almost hard done by well look i think it's i think it's wrong to restrain a person for working in the same industry broadly speaking um it does depend on on what they're doing like if they're a salesman and they're working in the same industry it is very difficult to stop them from impinging on your wealth, your your ability to make money. But look, and I am simplifying the salesman job mm. here, but salesmen sell. 
they sell whatever's in front of them. Mm. So they, they can sell this, they can sell that. So you might be able to restrain a salesman from selling this particular product. Um, you can't stop a lawyer from going and working for a, as a lawyer somewhere else. I don't think that's reasonable. Because mm, mm. they don't can't think, do very much else. Yeah, and I also don't think it's reasonable to go, well, you can work somewhere else, but you can't work in this state or you can't work in this city because that's where they live. So it's, I think that's unreasonable, but I do not think it's unreasonable to say you are restrained from contacting the clients. You're restrained from pulling away employees of that company. Mm. Um, you know, and it happens all the time as a lawyer. You you run a you run a team. You have you like your team. You leave. You want your entire team to go with you, and you want to take your clients with you. Uh, not necessarily the right way to do about it. But so there's nothing wrong with it. Mm. I just think it's how long and. Like I do this restraints trade stuff all the time. And one of the things that we need to consider when it comes to the length of time with which someone is indebted um, to this other company is the relationship. What are you trying to protect? If it's your clients, then how long will it take for that client to forget that person works there, work with someone new and be a superstar still? And then when that person comes back and says, hey, look, I'm starting at this other firm, they're going to go, yeah, so great for you. You know, so there is there is a there is a break in relationship or mm. a period of time to break. So I think that's that's what employees need to think about. What are they? Why are they hurting that employer? And are they hurting that employer? Because remember, the loss is also something that needs to be considered for restraint. Mm. My PA going to work for someone else. The only thing I've lost is an excellent PA. So Phoebe, mm. if you're out there, don't leave anytime soon. All I've lost is an excellent PA. I haven't lost clients, haven't lost, you know, kudos. You know, there's nothing I've lost. People move. People aren't going to think because Phoebe left that I'm a terrible employer. But what are they going to do next is the thing that you need to think about. Oh, certainly. I, I think one, and this is almost another myth in of itself, is how, you know, how, how close your clients are actually to the individuals as they are to your company. I think people over exaggerate, you know, oh, he's left, everyone's going to go with him. No, there is a certain level of loyalty to the company as a whole. Sure, they may have some damage to it, but, you know, for the most part, they are loyal to the company rather than to the individuals involved. And, they, yeah, they may very well forget about them in a matter of weeks. Yeah, yep. so restraints of trade can work. Restraints of trades don't never work. It's a total myth, people. The yeah. next one I've got on my list is you don't need to pay independent contractors super innovation. Yeah, no, and I it like comes it. up all the time. It you, does. Come it's up simple time. look on the ATO website, and you can see that it's not. It's right. not true. And we we're not tax lawyers, so we can't go into this in any great depth. But it is important to note that if the contractor is basically performing their services to you, and that is that is the only thing they're really doing, then yes. It is more likely than not you're going to need to pay that contractor superannuation. It is very hard to avoid that that responsibility. Um, I don't really have much more to say on that, but certainly I'd be advising all people out there who have contractors to revisit their uh, their point of view on that particular point. It's like, sad though that so many underpayments relate to super. I mean, putting aside my, yeah. it's been discussed on. Uh, 
on this podcast by my personal views about superannuation, but because uh, you're also losing out on a springboard effect, you know, you, you the yeah. potential for it to, to become more money. Um, and I'm it ends up becoming your respect, obviously, but I think that the ATO do take into consideration um, the, when they when they give a penalty or when they give a mm. fine, they take into consideration the interest lost. Um, so I think there is something there, but you're right. You're absolutely right. There, there's there's no. I, if you can't afford to pay super, you've got problems. Can't afford the employee or the no. contractor or whatever it might be. Yeah, this is this is not a this is not a sustainable business model. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty tough. Um, this is this one I actually really like. Uh, you must give three written warnings before. Oh. I really like this one because it sounds really sensible. But it's yeah, a but complete it, and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't stack up to reality as well. Let's go back to what those some of those examples are given for. What if what if someone just punches someone on on site? You know what, what if and is it is it three warnings for the same conduct? of working from home I have in my hand. I don't know if you guys can see this, but it's a rabbit's foot. <laughs> You've started your witch's cauldron. You've got you know, a rabbit's foot, uh, hair of a you know, 50-year-old man. You know, There's all sorts of weird stuff in there. That's right, that's right, but the dog loves them. Um, yeah, they stream it all, and you're absolutely right. What if they do something so appalling that they just need to be terminated? Yeah, you're limiting yourself to it. But what about? Are they bound by it? Are they bound so, if they write if they write in the policy that they're going to give three written warnings, that sort of thing? Let's. I'll give two. So, let's say it's in a policy that that says this is how they're going to deal with misconduct, and it says you know you'll first get three warnings. Let's just say it's for any misconduct, not just for the same one. Yeah. Um, are they bound to it? <sighs> I'm going to say largely you need to at least consider the policy before straying from it. I really do. I, th I think if you're going to write in a policy that you need to provide three written warnings, that's the expectation that the employee has. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a hard and fast rule and it's set in stone, but yeah, I think you definitely need to stop and think about what you're doing there. Yeah. I don't like it though. This, 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 uh, this goes back like almost, 15, 16 years. This, this yeah, did, did this used to be oh. like a work, uh, like a work choices thing, or like where did this come from? This came back in the IR. Well, it's been around, you know, for for eons, but it was mm. it was deleted or dealt with in the Fair Work Act in two thousand and nine. Mm, that it's just not it's not it's, necessary. Warnings are not necessary. No, it's just it's and they they were. They were never written in, far as I know, into the awards. So the, the, it was literally abolished. But mm. it, it remains as some kind of myth that you need to do it. So employers who don't have a warning process, yeah, policy on how they deal with misconduct, don't need to give three written warnings. They just need to go through the process with which you would expect someone to go through, which is give give the employee a chance to respond to whatever mm. thing is going to cause them um, to be unemployed 
if that's what's going on, give them a chance to pick up their game, give them a chance to do these things. But they're not written warnings. That's just about notifying them of what's happening and what the ramifications are if they don't do the thing you want them to do. So yeah, I, I, I actually, it is one of my favorites. Um, it's one, of, and I'm, and then the, and then one of my other favorites is coming later, but uh, yeah, so people out there, if you, unless you've got a policy that specifically provides for it, you don't actually have to do that. Nah, and, but that's not to say though, that warnings don't have a place in, in well, employment. I absolutely think they do, but this concept that you have to do it. But I get the phone call all the time. They haven't given me my three warnings. I'm like, uh, okay, what's Sorry. the policy say? Oh, they don't have a policy on it, therefore they have to do it. I'm like, uh, just, a, yeah. just as a kind of practical point, um, three seems a lot as well. Like, <laughs> even if we were bound by that or that was some sort of, it was grounded with something, three seems an awful lot because are we i assume you're firing them on the fourth miss thing of con of yeah, misconduct, which is an awful lot we had to do sort of first a verbal warning and then two written so it's kind of mm. how it worked way back when so like after the second written warning which is after the third warning because the first one was verbal you can terminate so you're on thin ground yeah it's but, it's yeah. I'm not sure I'd be comfortable having a employee working for me who's done three things in the last six months, which probably could have been fired for. You know, that's an awful lot. It is an awful lot. 